0: Snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish. Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture, and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors, this is Ink and Quill. I'm your host Zhang Wan. As 2017 comes to a close, it's high time we wrap up this year by talking about our favorite race in the past 12 months. Therefore, in this episode, our book critic Shi Yu will be joined by Ning Jing and Si Rei, two bookworms with their own unique understanding of literature, to discuss some of the best books they came across in 2017. Let's take a listen.
1: So, Shiyu, you've introduced us to a number of great books over the years. And uh, now, shall we start with
2: uh, our yearly book review? Well, you know, it's really difficult to make a selection of the books of the year because, you know, as a book critic, mm. I feel like it is the greatest bonus point of my job that I could spend my days reading all kinds of books. But sure. it is also the greatest downside of my job that it's impossible for me to, to talk about all the terrific readings. Mm. So. For the books of the year in mm-hmm. 2017, I want to recommend something should be regarded as timely, representing the spirit of this time and age. So probably not all of them were mm-hmm. published this year, but I still think they're perfect for 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where should we start? Shall we start from the fiction category? Yeah, 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 sure. Actually, 2017 started with the uh, women' march on Washington and ended with the Me Too movement. If you guys have noticed, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. huge, a uh, huge movement on social media. The kind of empower women to talk about this experience, to speak up against sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the reason why the dictionary. Merriam-Webster. Is this the mm-hmm. right pronunciation? It but kind that's of
3: how I pronounce
2: it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of declared feminism as okay. the word of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I want to choose a quite a, a landmark feminist reading. It's called The Handmaid's Tale by Canadian author Margaret Atwood.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good book.
2: Yeah, have you read about it? Um, just some introduction. Okay, so to give you guys mm-hmm. and our listeners a brief introduction about what The Handmaid's Tale is, mm-hmm. it's actually a dystopian novel. Mm-hmm. And it's set in somewhere, I don't know, it is 21st century or 20th century, mm-hmm. but it is set in a dystopian society. Mm-hmm. And it's a patriotic society, which used to be the United States. Mm-hmm. And because at that time, the society, they are facing you know, severe environmental disasters mm-hmm. and pledging birth rate. So the regime kind of strips women's rights, I mean, all kinds of rights, Uh including their property and everything. And kind of for those people who are still defined as fertile to serve as so-called handmaids to bear children for powerful men and their barren wives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a speculative fiction, Mm -hmm. but the author once said she kind of drew inspiration from a lot of historical events. So even though it published almost, you know, three decades ago, mm-hmm. I still think it it's provides a really chilling portrayal of everyday sexism that women are facing on a daily basis. By the end of the book, Edward actually said the handmade tale doesn't come from far away and long ago. There are possibilities within every society. So mm-hmm. I think it's quite an interesting one. You yeah, know, exactly. To recommend in by the end of 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. so too. I've read somewhere that the heroine in this book, Alfred, uh, the Offred, name yeah. is actually has some sort of uh, hint towards this this kind of society. So Alfred means of Fred, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because
2: the commander, her master, is mm-hmm. called Fred. So it means she is kind of the object, the property of him. Okay. So that's the reason why her name is Offred. But, you know, for those commanders, if their handmaids cannot produce an offspring, they will transfer to another household. So all these handmaids belong to this single man would be called Offred.
1: Okay, so the sole purpose a women, for their existence at that time, reproduction was, was to reproduce and to serve their masters, which are the males yeah exactly.
3: Uh, after this discussion, I really want to read this book, but then it was not it's not because of the you know the feminism or to empower women or mm-hmm. this kind of theme. Yeah. it was basically because I think somehow this theme, like the women was used to only to reproduce, is for me, it's like a very heavy topic.
2: yeah, but I think
3: in this novel, I think Margaret Atwood digs deeper
2: about Mm -hmm. it so Mm -hmm. you could actually check out the namesake tv show Mm -hmm. i think it was aired in the spring this Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. and it has won eight primetime emmy awards okay for 13 for nominations the tv show actually modernized like certain elements about this novel because the novel was written in the mid 1980s -hmm. i think it could give you some insight about how to empower women Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so that's the book, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret
2: Atwood. What is the other books we'd like to introduce? Well, this year, I just realized my selection ran from memoir to serious literature and usually covers some really big, heavy, and sometimes difficult subjects. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like my second pick probably won't be that, well, lighthearted. No. It's called Stoner by oh. John Williams. Okay, mm-hmm. this book was published in 1965. Mm-hmm. And it was published by American author called John Williams. Yes, mm-hmm. John Williams. So he was kind of a nobody around that time. He mm-hmm. was like, you know, an unassuring no- novelist. It was until 2013 that people started to pay attention to his books.
1: Yes, I read some reviews about this book and uh, people say that uh, although there there were very good reviews about his book back in 1960 something 65. Yeah, yeah. The book didn't sell very well. Yeah, it was it not was, a commercial success. It was success. only until in after the 2000 and then people start to realize oh this is really a good book. It's a sad book but a vivid life is there in the yeah, book. Yeah. Yeah. In some way, I think the the writer John Williams is kind of describing his himself his, his, his own life mm-hmm. because he uh, he teaches in university there. It seems to us that uh, he lived a quiet life.
2: Yeah, and, and
1: it just resembles the hero
2: in his book Stoner. Mm. I think he's a typical antihero. Um, Okay, the main figure. <laughs> <laughs> the protagonist. His name is quite a funny kind of shows some similarities with also himself. It's called William Stoner. So he was born into a really poor family there, mm-hmm. you know farmers for generations yeah. mm-hmm. when his parents sent him to school wanted him to study some farming technologies mm-hmm. yeah. but he turned out he got interested in literature mm-hmm. so he kind of bid farewell to his parents and start to become you know a scholar mm-hmm. but it's turned out even though he has dreams he has passion he really wants to be a good Teacher, mm-hmm. but his life is just a total disaster. His career, uh, his students, his marriage, mm-hmm. uh, his relationship with with daughter, yeah, with his daughter, mm-hmm. and turned out when he passed away, he's still uh, disappointed in the eyes of others. When I read the book, I understand why people don't like it because people don't like the story of a loser. But I feel mm-hmm. like it's so vivid. It's like those nobodies, those insignificant individual, mm-hmm. they still has passion, they still have ambition mm-hmm. to tell. Just we have never noticed that.
3: Yeah, but when I read it, I was thinking it's just, when you say it's vivid, somehow to me it's like, it's unreal. Because I believe like someone has to be good in some, like, or lucky in some areas, but in this story, he seems like to you know lose in ev- all the area, and then maybe the only thing that he can cherish in his life is, uh, what is her name like, Catherine, Catherine, right? That was like
1: the, the woman he had in a family. Yes, yeah, yeah. that
3: I feel like she was the only thing that can maybe light up a little bit in his life. And yeah. what I don't understand about the story is that his relationship with his wife. I don't know why, what Addies. happened. Yeah, Addith. Like, I don't know what happened to Adith that she could be so igno- not ignorant, but sometimes indifferent to the husband. The stoner, yes, for a lifetime and try to somehow sabotage the relation between uh, stoner and his daughter i don't understand i can this really happen in our Uh, real life i think in
1: real life it happens quite often i think that is also the reason why this book has been uh, reprinted Mm -hmm. after like uh, 50 or 60 years it's just because people start to realize that there are people living like stoner everywhere it looks to other people that he rose from a poor farmer's kid to a decent university and he married Mm -hmm. a beautiful wife if Mm -hmm. not that demure Mm -hmm. and he seemed to have a fairly normal family life Mm -hmm. it's just that that people don't know actually uh, deep down he doesn't feel happy and I would say the family relationship is not that great The, the daughter gets drunk all the time and it seems the wife and the daughter both estranged from mm-hmm. from this guy, and he was also forced to cut off his uh, with the other female professor. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, you can't really say it's a loser's story because, mm. in a way, he lives it's a normal life.
2: Yeah, it's everybody's story. Yeah, yeah th-
1: I think it's just at this point that makes but, people. But I, it. I do
2: understand why three. Doesn't like this book very much mm-hmm. because it has a very passive tone.
3: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So it actually comes to my attention to the first essay collection I really want to recommend. It's okay. called Mercy and Roses by Chinese author Xiong Pei Yun. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners who don't know who Xiong Pei Yun is, he's an associate professor at Nankai University. And he's kind of, you know, one of the most recognized uh, columnists in China. And he writes a lot of stuff like including international politics, the self-improvement, but I think most of all he, he has delved into the twists and turns mm-hmm. that Chinese people are facing in the transition of the society. He has a really, you know, prudential attitude mm-hmm. towards everything. Mm -hmm. And he really valued individualism. So he kind of Mm. criticized, you know, today's, you know, people talking about social ethnic. Don't be a pessimistic rationalist or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So he kind of calls to people like you need to look into your heart. You need to fight back.
1: Hmm. I think some of the words in his books uh, or in his poetry, you can see sometimes he feels a bit disappointed or despair. Yeah, a little bit. But in the end, you will find that he is trying his best to uh, to boost his own morale and he's just trying to tell the listeners, probably you should also, also think about it. Look inwardly and see if you can summon up enough inner strength so that, you know, through your own fight or whatever way you can make this world better. Like if everybody can take good care of themselves, then probably... We will be um, having a better
2: future yeah. as a as a whole. Yeah, he kind of goes for compassion, not just for
0: our book critic Shi Yu sharing with Ningjing and Siwei some of her favorite titles in the year of 2017. But what else is on the shelf that excited these book lovers? We'll find out after this short break. How to adapt a thriller into a movie? What is your favorite toilet reading? And when to give up on paperback? Want to know the answers? Join our discussion about all the trendiest topics on Ink & Quill.
1: We are going to continue our book review for the year 2017. And uh, just before this break, we talked about three books now, I think maybe we should
2: move on to something more light-hearted. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's too heavy and green for the new year.
1: So, I'm going to introduce one book that I read. Every year, I take it out and read it again. Really? Yes, and that book is Never Hit a Jellyfish with a Spade by Guy Browning. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) It's quite a funny title, isn't Mm -hmm. it? It
1: is, it is. You know how I came across this book? There there was one day, um, I was waiting for my husband to pick up his CDs, and I just read into this book and I saw oh what a strange name <laughs> and then I just flip open this book and saw a page that said how to eat biscuits <laughs> and I said oh, what do people need to learn how to eat biscuits mm-hmm. <laughs> so it caught my attention and I just read a couple of lines and it was hilarious
3: mm-hmm. I was
1: totally fascinated by it basically there are two kinds of people who eat biscuits. One Mm -hmm. is the uh, dunkers Mm -hmm. who will just dip this uh, biscuit into the tea Mm -hmm. and just eat uh, bits of it and Mm -hmm. then wait until the next dip. Uh, there will be the non-dippers. Who was thinking? No, oh, no, 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 no! You can't do that. You can't actually dip it into this tea because you need to enjoy the crispness of the biscuit and the wet of the tea. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. a lot of interesting stuff there. So, um, I brought the book into the studio and like I'd like to read mm-hmm. a bit
3: of it. Okay. So, does it teach us how to be deep? Oh,
1: yes. You've hit the nail on the head. Yes. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> okay. Glad okay. to know. Yes. How to
1: be deep. Mm-hmm. One of the quickest ways of appearing deep is to say, Oh, is it? After oh, somebody else okay. has just said something. Oh, or
3: is I, it? <laughs> Siri, I, I, honestly, at the I, I honestly forgot how I read that. Or is it? Is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't remember.
1: Right. You've got it. Yeah. yeah. Or is it? Or oh, you've got some other ways. Um, mm-hmm. If you are going to be deep, mm-hmm. don't wear bright colors. Deep people always wear black to signify their great undiscovered depths. Mm-hmm. Sequins have the opposite effect. Let's take yes. a look.
3: Um, I think you're talking about mm-hmm. Yeah, She's wearing
1: black. She's really deep. Yeah. Oh, there's one more line. Uh-huh. A vital accessory for deep people is a difficult book, preferably by a Russian author specializing in poverty, misery, and
3: death. Okay, How's I that? <laughs> I like the idea, but um I don't have any Russian books. Probably oh, you don't? I can I don't
1: mm-hmm.
3: too grim for her.
1: <laughs> uh she maybe you can lend her some of yours. Okay. Uh, so. I think
3: I can start from the dressing. Okay. I'll start wearing black tomorrow. What
1: are you wearing now?
3: I'm wearing purple. Not deep enough. Yes. Okay,
2: okay. So, Sirei, mm-hmm. tell us which book delights you the most.
3: Okay, so in 2017, I don't think I've read that much deep books that, okay, can, thank you. that can match your black sweater. But um, I found this book about roses very, you know, uh, informative and also helpful when you are like a fan of gardening. So this book is called The Bible of Roses. So Bible of Roses, is actually an introduction on roses culturally and botanically and includes the classic book roses done in 18th century and it also tells the uh, stories behind the creation of the book roses Mm -hmm. so it's like two segments one segment is the introduction of another book and then the other segment is the content of the other book so now i have to introduce the book roses do you understand what i'm saying
2: not quite (laughs) is it like a
3: botanical
2: (laughs) botanical history or something like that
3: Yes, but it includes the uh, pictures or the paintings of many kinds of roses. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, 250 types of different roses are collected in this book. Okay, so I'll start from the introduction of the the book, Roses. Mm -hmm. It's actually done by a French painter and botanist, called pierre josephine redoubt i don't know how to read its french name <laughs> and it's done in 18th century and redoubt is the uh, official artist for the french empress josephine who's the first wife of napoleon and she owned a very famous mel castle in which there is a very famous rose garden and that rose garden was famous because at one point, it has a large amounts of roses, and the, on the other hand, it was the first time that human beings tried to plant roses by themselves. And the author of this the book Roses is the official artist of that garden Mm -hmm. so he had the chance to paint and to record all of the um, roses in the garden so many of the roses in the book have already died out today we can only see those paintings in this book and also in this book you can see the evolvement of the roses from the very simple and originated
2: from china no, see, no, 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 no. Kind of roses. No, no, no.
3: The, of course, from this book, because it starts from the uh, European roses. Okay. So you will see the involvement of it. In the beginning, the roses are like, have only four petals. Mm-hmm. Very simple one. And then, Especially after the introduction of Chinese roses into European, they have more layers, multi layers of petals, and it gradually becomes, you know, so called elegant and graceful as uh, it today.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, Siri, you know mm-hmm. what?
1: You gave us a lot of information about roses. That All I'm going to be interested okay. in would be the pictures. Yes. Yeah, yeah so the
3: pictures are very real it's, it's, it's realism it look exactly like pictures to me mm. Mm. and well, i know what book. kind of
2: first date present i should give you next year yeah yeah, uh, yeah
1: me too And uh-huh. um, don't give her too much okay <laughs> why okay. <laughs> <laughs> just leave me some of those roses well okay. um there's another book i'd like to um introduce or recommend to our listeners and that is a fictional book that is uh, different seasons by Devin king is known as the uh, the Father the of king thriller. Yeah, <laughs> the king of horror
2: stories yeah yes
1: but he actually wrote these collection of uh, novellas four novellas mm-hmm. and it's really the mainstream ones these four novellas make up Uh, different seasons and they just linked or tied together via subtitles that relate to each other of the four seasons. Mm. This four different seasons consists of four stories, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Hope, with the subtitle, Hope Springs Eternal. I think you guys must have known this because there's a very famous movie made out of this novella that is the Shawshank Redemption.
2: It's probably the only one I have ever heard about.
1: You've ever heard about? Yeah. It competed with uh, Forrest Gump for that year's Oscar. Mm -hmm. It was nominated, but just lose out to Forrest Gump. I mean, this novella uh, Mm -hmm. is the one that I like best out of these four stories, Mm -hmm. um, which are Rita Haworth and Shawshank Redemption, an apt pupil, the body, and the breathing method. So... I'm going to introduce these this four stories. The first one is about a young banker mm-hmm. uh, who was falsely put into jail. Mm-hmm. And he was accused of murdering his wife and oh, her lover. Mm-hmm. But it was false. And this guy remained composed and always hopeful. Mm-hmm. And he finally found his way out of the jail, mm-hmm. in his own way, mm-hmm. find his own justice. Mm-hmm. And the the second story is The Apt Pupil. Mm-hmm. This one is really thought-provoking because it tells a junior high school student mm-hmm. who accidentally discovered that they there lived in his uh, town. Mm-hmm. An old Nazi officer who mm-hmm. uh, who was the um, like the commander of a death camp, and so he went to probe the case. But instead of reporting the guy to the police, mm-hmm. he made it this kind of evil for fun. He forced mm-hmm. this old man to mm-hmm. tell his uh, cruel stories, how he killed all those people, mm-hmm. and eventually. These two guys, you know, because of this kind of evil bond between them, Mm -hmm. they were driven to monstrous actions later Mm -hmm. on. So it's it's really a disturbing novel for me. And the third one is... um, You guys
3: are so deep. (laughs)
1: Well, the the third one is The Body, which Mm -hmm. uh, tells the story of four young boys Mm -hmm. trying to find their passage to life through finding a dead body of a missing child. And they did. They did find the, the body, but then... It was until then they found what it really means to mm-hmm. be dead. Uh, the last story is mm-hmm. the, um, the Breathing Lesson, which tells about a woman's persistence in giving birth to an illegitimate child. Okay. And the latter three stories all had a horrid kind of feel to them because Stephen King is famous for his yeah, horror Yeah, the, but they're just fictional. It's, it's still there.
2: Yeah, but if you want some real horror and you want some real political intrigue, mm-hmm. you know, some twist and turn, mm-hmm. there's some book I really, really want to recommend to you guys. Oh, come on, fourteen fifty three, the Holy War for Constantinople and the Clash of the Islam and the West. Sounds the, very interesting, actually. So, for people who don't know what Constantinople is, it's, you know the former name of Istanbul, uh, mm-hmm. you know it's the capital of Turkey, mm-hmm. but it was used to be the capital of say. Domain, the domain, the domain, the nation state of the Byzantine Empire who mm-hmm. rules mm-hmm. over this uh, Asian Greek colony from the 4th century to the mid 15th century. So even though this book is basically covers the clash of this Asian empire. But Mm -hmm. the author himself, he's a famous British historian, Mm -hmm. he delves into the back and forth of why those Christian nation states in Italy didn't reach out, why it falls and everything. And he makes history because history sometimes is a bit too dry and dull because we have too many historical Mm jargons. There's something we don't understand. But he has a skill to make to make his a historical nonfiction sounds like a fiction, mm-hmm. and he gives enough oh. voice to both sides. He he doesn't give any quick judgment mm-hmm. about who's good or who's evil. It's okay. just you know the turn of power. It's just people say goodbye to the Crusaders. People say goodbye to the medieval time. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the rise of the Islamic world. So in the mm-hmm. way, it is a must read for people to understand what's going on about Islam and the world today. And mm-hmm. if you to some extent. I think if you want to understand immigrants' crisis in Europe today, Mm -hmm. I think you should read this book as well.
0: Mm. Sounds like a
2: very, very interesting book. You know, I'm
1: glad that uh, he didn't make it kind of like a historical teacher's book. No, it's not. Just the dry stuff. Uh, You know, I read from some of those reviews that uh, he Mm -hmm. truly made the description of the war vivid and very, very interesting.
2: And Sometimes a bit too graphic. Yeah, yeah I'm, okay. I think
1: I'm going to buy this book and read it after mm. I finish Claudius, the God and His Wife, uh, Miss Selina by mm-hmm. Robert Graves. it Tells about the uh, the Roman Empire at the beginning. And I think this mm. book, the, the one that she just recommended, tells about the finish mm-hmm. of this empire. Mm-hmm. Very interesting.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to read that as well because currently I'm reading another book that's a little bit similar to 1453. It's mm-hmm. called The Clash of Civilizations and the Remaking of World Order by Samuel Huntington. I know it's a very old book, but it's also it's very a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And although I don't think this book, is written in a way, as you said, like like a novel, like a fictional kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, but I, I think it's very juicy. Like w- once I start to read, you know, I can't put it down. And when you mentioned the uh, Constant Constantine Paul Pol- no, no <laughs> pole, Constantine <laughs> no, no pole, yeah, no Pol. I was thinking about the, you know, uh, the Turkey part mentioned in this book as well. And I think uh, Samuel Huntington actually defined Turkey as like a torn country. By torn country, he means that uh, Turkey actually is rooted in Some culture, but the leaders of the country doesn't like that. Then they want to change it to something else. So that's why you feel like Turkey has this uh, culture that's closer to Russia, but they want to join the European group. But in this book, uh, he hasn't, you know, dig that much into the reason why. So maybe I'll start reading uh, 1453 to figure out why Turkey wants to do that. Yeah,
1: sounds like a great book too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think you still have some more books to introduce to us, right?
2: Yeah, and I think we are running out of time, so I will speak really, really fast. And okay. the next book I want to recommend, is actually about China. It's called China Empire of Living Symbols. And it's written by Swedish sinologist mm-hmm. uh, Cecilia Linquist. Mm-hmm. And she was really well researched about Chinese culture and Chinese history. And you know, some people even said Chinese language is one of the most difficult languages to learn for English speakers. But for her, she actually breaks down about 200 Chinese characters Mm -hmm. all the meaning, background, histories to tell about some facts about Chinese characters. As a Chinese, I don't even realize, for example, uh, the word self. 字自己的字, mm-hmm. 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 so the shape of it is like the nose. Because for Chinese, when we talk about ourselves, we usually point we point to our we nose. Point at our nose. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. So that's the reason why a British historian also said it's one of the best books to know China. Mm-hmm. And there's another book. I think mm-hmm. w- it will be quite interesting because in in 2017 we see the rise of AlphaGo between you know all the human Go players. Mm-hmm. So we see the rise of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. robot and everything. So I have the book talking about the future trend of technology. Mm-hmm. It's called Inevitable mm-hmm. by American author Kevin Kelly. Mm-hmm. And even though I would say there's nothing that cutting edge about this book but he kind of summarized all the trends we probably were seeing mm. in the next decades. Yeah. So I highly recommend that one. And he also talked about the rise of technology in China. So I think people would like it as well. Yeah, uh, Exactly. I think um, when he Wrote this book. It was in
1: 2015, yeah. and some of those trends was just starting to starting to um, take off. But now yeah. you are seeing AI and everything like driverless cars, everything yeah. developing so fast. But still, this book is not outdated. You can still get a lot of answers to some of those questions.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's another book I really want to recommend. And this is something I usually don't do. You know, I hate poetry. I think poetry is kind of too gaudy words. A little you too hate
1: poetry? I, I don't like I modern poetry. I, okay. I don't like
2: poetry. That's the reason why I usually don't recommend poetry on my own show. But this time there's some poetry I really want to recommend. It's by Japanese poet Ishikawa Tabuboku. I, I hope i pronounced his name right. Yeah, he was born in 1880s or something. Okay. And he died of I would say, died of poverty and illness mm. at, the, at the prime age of 26. Mm-hmm. But he produced some really beautiful poetry because he is a master of tanka. Tanka in Japanese, it means short poems. Mm-hmm. So he kind of write it like in really stark sincerity. It's very simple, but it's very straightforward. And I really like one line. Said, he said, like a kite cut from the string. Lately, the soul of my youth have taken flight. So oh, I kind of mm. like him. And his mm. poetry is actually translated by Chinese author Zhou Zuoren. So it's another highlight as well.
1: Okay, so yes. I would say both the Chinese version and the Japanese version would sound very, very good.
0: That was our Bookworms talking about their favorite ratings in 2017. If you want to hear their complete conversation, you can download the podcast by searching the keyword Ink and Quill on iTunes. We would also love to hear the books that delight you the most. So if you want to share your thoughts, you're always welcome to leave messages on our Facebook page, China Plus, or simply drop us an email at quill at qq.com. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Zhang Wan. From all of us here at China Plus, we would like to wish you a happy new year and hope you have a fantastic time as you enjoy some peaceful reading.